listening. On this episode of Bipolar Black Girl, we meet Marlene. Marlene grew up with a bipolar mom. Unfortunately, her mom's condition was not spoken about until late in her life. We'll hear what effects this had on Marlene's childhood and how it influences her own struggle with depression. Hello, and welcome to the Bipolar Black Girl podcast. I'm your host, Mary Fortune. Uh, today's guest is a very special friend of mine, Marlene. She's the sister of my best friend. I've known her since she was about 10 years old. Uh, her family was like a second family to me. Her parents were incredibly nice. They were like having a second mom and dad. Um, I thought I, I do know them very well, but as well as I knew them, I did not know that Marlene's mom was bipolar until I was in my 30s. Um, so Marlene's going to talk about what it was like growing up with her mom. Hi, Marlene. Hi, Meredith. Glad to be here. Happy. Um, yeah. Um, growing up with my mom and bipolar was a surprise to me as well. Um, it wasn't talked about in my family. And I think a lot of that has to do with generational right. awareness and op- generational acceptance. And my mom was born in the 50s. So um, uh, a lot of stigma came with it. And um, so it was very secretive mm-hmm. and not talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first, I can only speak, um, I. I think it's important to also acknowledge that there is this immediate family that we're talking about is my dad, who is my mom's husband, and my sister, who is four years older than me, and then myself. And we all related to the situation in our own different ways based on our own personal relationships with my mom. Right. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm clear that I'm speaking from my perspective. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, and... Um, so my youngest memory of something not being quite right was in second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, be, and that year was hard for me, um, mainly because, again, backstory is important. I was born deaf, so my mother kind of had a different role with me than with my sister. She would be much more um, very concerned that I be seen as equal in the school, learn as much as I possibly could and be proud of who I was and be as normal as normal as possible. Right. And with that came this um, this um, very motherly, uh, overly protective relationship I had with her. My sister being born four years prior with no disabilities um, was kind of expected to um, now, as an adult, I look back on it, you know, I see her kind of like um, expected to go with the flow and do the best, you know, not there's not much flexibility for error, you know. So um, her relationship with it is different with my mom than with me. Um, but for me, again, second grade was when I started noticing something was different because um, one day my mom um, wasn't around and I didn't know what was going on. I was like, why is mom not around? And then we were taking these trips to the hospital and um, not knowing why we were going to the hospital, why my mom was in the hospital and why I was eating TV dinners and my sister was taking on my mom's roles and my dad having two daughters 
and then having to go from work and then take us right to the hospital after school to go visit her after school. And I'm not understanding why I'm in this hospital where people don't seem quite right in the visiting room and nobody's telling me what's going on. And then my mom kind of being spacey and not quite there, not knowing who I was, all this stuff. That must have been very rough for you. It was very rough. It was very rough. Because um, when I think of, if anything, not knowing what was going on was um, scary for a young kid. Could you just create in your own mind? Yeah. What, you know, what did I do wrong? What did I, what did I do wrong? Like, I what, can only imagine. Did I make, did I make my mom this way? Or, you know what I mean? Like, um, and then, and then, um, and I also noticed that my sister was a little bit more, um, protective and also kind of stressed out in her caregiving way. Cause I think that she was holding a lot too, not knowing what was going on, but yet probably more than I did cause she was four years older and can kind of conceptualize things a little bit more than I right. could. Um, and my dad has never been a man of words. He's more of a man of presence. I love him. Yeah. 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 You know what yeah. I mean? He's just, he's there. You know, you lo- are loved by him, but he's never been a man of words. Right. Um, and that's just who my dad is. Um, so there wasn't a dialogue. And that was never my relationship with my dad. It was my relationship with my mom. My mom was the one who would communicate to me, tumble me down, let me understand, like, um, I would, I was always the most, I was very emotional as a kid, very like emo. <laughs> so, I still am. I love that about myself and I'm okay with it. Um, but um, yeah, I have a lot of visual memories at the hospital room and then trying to place why I was there. Um, they would have me sit in the reading room and they had this TV on, it's a random, but I, it's just all these memories that stick with me that are feel haunting rather than um, supportive like the hospital's supposed to be, <laughs> you would think, you know? So, cause I didn't know what was going on. But anyway, then my mom got back and that was scary for me cause we would sit at the dinner table and she would nod off and I remember didn't remember yeah, I didn't remember who I was, so she would call my sister number one and me number two. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, why am I number two? That means I'm a poop. You know, like, <laughs> so I think it was just seriously, order. like, <laughs> I didn't know, you know, like, like, why am I, you know, so it was just a lot of, like, trying to figure it out and understand the words. And I think for me, that was more as I look, reflect as an adult looking back, that was traumatic for me. Like, and I, and, 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 and a lot of, and I understand that my mom at that time is like the seventies, eighties time, right. still, still not looked at as good. No. Um, can't be, you know, like not, you can't be out at work about it. You can't, you know, so it was very secretive and even the location. Yeah. Um, and then also a weird thing would happen where my mom would have episodes where she'd be manic. Well, I can, I have the words that to describe that now as an adult, right. but then I would find her in the garage, bleaching the garage floor. 
Hmm. Wow. And and trying to make it very clean. It was like it was very it was something. That's and, behavior. Yeah. And I was just like trying to understand why that I I wake up and I walk out and I smell this intense smell of bleach. Right. And I see my mom scrubbing on the garbage like the garage floor and I'm like, why is this happening? You know, like. Um, and you were never, you never had a relationship with your sister where you guys could talk about mom or, you know, try to. Learn. We never, not with my dad, not with my sister, nobody. We never talked about right. it with each other or about it. You know, and when she was, and, and she, um, I say my father and I have talked about okay. it more than I've ever talked about it. And like, because. And my father and I's relationship had deepened in terms of the communication level because I think also I'm an adult, right? And my mom, my mom passing has allowed room for that space because my mom also was the matriarch of our family. She was the one that brought everybody together. She was the one that made sure everyone was there on holidays. She was, you know, like she was also a very strong and powerful woman. She wasn't, you know, like people had this idea. That if you have mental illness, you're weak, but you're not. You know, my mom raised two good, awesome girls and had a marriage, and that takes effort and, yeah. and was a teacher for many years. You know, I what read I mean? a quote by I think it was uh, Carrie Fisher, and she said, um, "People with who people with bipolar disorder deserve a gold medal." Because it's hard. It's hard and to like try to act normal and get your whole family together, and you know what I mean. And then, yes, and, and and having said that, I um, I wish that there was communication about it. I wish there was sharing in a month because there would have been so much um, closure for everybody in my family and their relationship and complicated relationship with my mom. Um, you know, because she's gone. Yeah. You know, like I wish, I wish that we were open about it yeah. and just said, hey, mom, what is your diagnosis? Right, right. Why Why are you having manic episodes? Why, you know, like, why are you, um, like, cause it would seem like every 10 years or so she would have another episode and end up in the hospital. The second time I remember I was 18 and had moved out of the I had I had come out the year before gay, um, and moved to San Francisco, and I hadn't heard from my mom in like a few months, and I thought that was yeah. odd. And and then so I called, and my dad said maybe not two months, a few weeks, like a month almost, yeah. And I had called my dad, and I said, "Where where's mom?" And he's like, "Oh, she's in the hospital again." And I said, what do you mean? Like, she's sick. So that's what we would say, sick. Okay. So when my mom, so she was in the hospital. And um, again, I didn't know she was in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's like, I, I find that the secrecy and the shame didn't need to be there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but it still uh, exists. Like, I'm open, obviously, about my bipolar disorder, mm -hmm. but I don't talk to, like, people in my family about it because they don't, mm -hmm. I, either they don't want to understand, you know, I don't know why, but, like, for whatever reason, we just don't talk about it. Um, 
Yeah, I I personally in my in my immediate family with my kid, we talk about it. Like I I suffer from depression oh. and I talk. Whoa. Um, are you still yeah there? yeah it's okay. Okay. Um, I suffer from depression and I'm open about it with my kid. And I think it's important to show when I am in that state and, and also the actions I take to get out of that Absolutely. state. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And that examples of showing up for my kids and also being proud of all of my parts. Yeah. You know? And I want my kids to feel that way. Yeah. Because I regret not being able to have that open dialogue with my mom. Right. Because I think it would have been it would have made things so much closer and it would have answered a lot of the questions. Yeah. But I can't do that if they're not open up with it. So I think the the most harm can be now I don't expect, you know, everybody to say, Hey, I'm I don't expect her to be a high on migrant and I'm bipolar all the time but with her daughters, it would have explained a lot of the things that were traumatizing for me as a young child. And I've held in my body for a long time and done my therapy and, you know, worked around it, but she's not here. You know, I can't ask her the questions of why are you so scared to tell me, you know, because right. I obviously know there's something going on, you know. Bipolar, bipolar one or two, do you know? The only reason why I know she was bipolar is because one of her latest episodes, my wife currently, who is um, very upfront personality, opposite of my family, right. was like, you need to go find out where her pills are. Right. And you need to find out what she has. Yeah. Because that, otherwise, you're just never going to understand your right. mom. You know? right. And I saw a description and I looked up online. It was for bipolar and depression. Okay. So she had... Um, that at least from the pills that I yeah. Um, so again, even like today when I talk to my family, it's uh my mom. It's just who she is, and we kind of like glump it in as her personality. But there's also pride in claiming. I think like it, and that should just be different because I come from a space of I'm deaf. It's a difficulty. I'm gonna claim it. Right. I'm queer. It's a difficulty. I'm going to claim it. You know, like I have, I would raise by a woman who made me be proud of being that. Good. Be proud of my diff- my, my challenges because those are what's going to make me a better person in the future. You know, like, so it's ironic that that same person d- did not claim her differences. You know, like. And so- that's, I think that's generational. You know, it's uh Mm-hmm. So that's the you know part of the point of this podcast for me is to destigmatize, uh, exactly. you know, mental health diagnoses because we're just human. We just have a fuck you know a fucked up brain, and mm-hmm. so I I know of a couple of episodes of your mom that I won't get into, but I I can only imagine how scary it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latest one was really scary where she like took off. And we didn't know where she was right. for, I mean, at that time, actually, I called my sister to talk to her about mm-hmm. it. And I think that honestly is the only time that we really had an open relationship, open dialogue, like a truly, where I said, I don't know how 
my dad can handle that. You know, I don't know how, um, it's one thing for anybody you love to disappear and ha and be on an episode and not know what, you know, to do, but also to have the extra, to disappear on, like, if you're healthy or whatever you want to call that, but also to disappear also manic. Yeah. And not know where they are. It's extra terrifying, yes. you know, like, and, um, I think that was probably the only time I feel like there was a real, like, clear dialogue between my sister and I talking about what's really going on and how it is traumatizing and how it's not right yeah. and fair that we, you know, and and, and then my, my wife and I drove down when she came back and which appeared back at home. Um, and my wife was persistent, you're like, you need to do an intervention. And I was like, that's not how my family works. You know, like, <laughs> I can't even like, imagine. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. So she gets me in the car and I'm driving and I have this like, push, you know, different energy, different. But that's what I like about it. We're opposite and we push each other in our own way. Right. But um, so we get there and I'm like, mom. And she's like, oh, what, what are you here? She was like surprised because we showed up unannounced. Mm -hmm. I was like, you need to go check yourself in and get help right. and we can't do that you have to turn yourself in you're not well right and that was the first time in my entire life i was that front with her about right. it right and she like looked at me and like was smoking a cigarette and choking like oh like what are you doing is this that you know like because i had had like an hour and a half of alana talking to my you know this is what you're gonna do this is what you're doing. <laughs> so i came in i'm like boom <laughs> And both my dad and my sister were like, what the hell? You know, like, and she took herself in. Well, good. You know? Yeah, it worked. Yeah, she, 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 she got help, she did all that. But, but it's, it's like moments like that. It's like, what if the, what the trajectory of all the, of all of the trauma that I have held onto as a child? Mm -hmm been different if we had just named it like that in that moment would would the trajectory be different right. you know I, I i have to i ask i ask myself a lot that you know especially when my mom passed the and also i'm older my mom i was 39 when my mom passed and my kids were babies and i was just surviving <laughs> on many levels just trying to make it through that time and um now that i'm in my late forties, I, I wish I could have that conversation with her and be like, Hey, I know you're bipolar. I know you suffer from depression. So do I. Right. Um, we have that in common. Why don't we support each other? Yeah. You know? And I think that if anyone takes away anything from this podcast today, if you're a parent or a sister or anybody in your immediate family, the people that you live with, that would be, you know, the one that you see every day. Those are the people you should be as most honest and open about with it because they are living with Absolutely. you. And whether you like it or not, they're, they're part of your existence and they are taking in your energy and they want, and you know, and they're there for a reason. They love you, right. <laughs> you know, right. and it just being honest about it. And, and, and like with everything that is not seen or, treated kindly in our society 
the more you claim it and own it, the less stigmatized it will be. Exactly. And, you know, like, it's, it's, and that's a big value in my family. And my, my, my family right now, my kids, my wife, Mm -hmm. you know, my kids are both black and it is important that they claim their blackness and they, uh, they see their beauty in that and they don't shut their voice down because in this world, their parents, me and Alana are the people that are not going to be like, look like a lot of the people who aren't supporting, you know, in this world. And it is so important that they raise their voices and they don't be quiet and don't, whatever. And it's also important in our family that we are standing up for rights for the LGBTQIA community, especially now in history, too. The Black Lives Movement, our our rights as humans are being taken away from us as gay parents and as women. Like, we are a very proud family in those those things. And we use our voice to educate and to not stop, because silence equals death. Like like my my depression all stems from anxiety and fear. And years and years of, years and years of therapy has finally, (laughs) thank you, paid a lot of money in it. (laughs) It's finally paying off where I just, or it's just age and wisdom where I just say, you know, I got to live my truth. And by example, change hopefully will happen, you know. But um, in terms of mental awareness, I think it's important if you're okay with it and you'd struggle with it to be open and proud about it. Yeah, I agree. Because with that comes, oh, okay, so it's not so scary. Or it's not just that big a deal. We're just people. You know what I mean? Like, take our meds. But taking not taking your meds can mean, you know, or, or not being able to yeah. have access to your meds means you might get, you know, choked out on the subway. So, you know, it's like, I think that people are very kind of afraid of us. And there's yeah. no need. And also, you know, a lot of it also deals with what parts of the community are getting help too. Like, making a mistake, my mom and I, the middle class white family, she had a lot of more, she had her support from her work in terms of insurance and all that. But that's not the story for a lot Absolutely. of people. And, and that needs to be acknowledged as well. It's not that easy to get and seek help if you are low income in a minority group or, you know, like it's not, not that simple. Right, and that's another goal. Um, it's my, much more easier. Yeah, with the podcast yeah. is to to uh, support and tell the stories of underrepresented uh, populations in the mental health uh, field. You know, black yes. and brown communities, um, mm-hmm. gay and lesbian, uh, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. um, especially I just interviewed uh, a woman who didn't find out that she was bipolar until she was 70, you know, and you really don't yeah. hear about a lot about people in that age range being bipolar. So I just want to kind of give voice to people who are struggling with it or had a family member who struggled with it and, and how they came out of it or what they're doing to find support or you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm just really interested in telling, in, in hearing these stories. Mm-hmm. And both of my kids' biological, 
family all have mental illness in there. So it's also, I've seen through foster care trainings and being in all that foster adopt program, you have to do a lot of training. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would just sadden by the amount of, of kids of color needing homes. And then you read the backstory and all these kids were products of other, you know, where they were in the foster care system and were treated badly and not placed in good right. homes. And then they end up on the streets. And, and the majority of these are, are people of color. And it's like so sad and wrong. There's something not right. If our, well, with our to system. America, my friend. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Um, but that, and that's also another reason why we are very open about mental health issues because it is part of their family right. history. And it, and you know, and we'll cross that road when it comes, but it, it could happen. You know, Absolutely. we don't Let's know. It doesn't, but, but at least you have the tools and you're preparing your children, you're giving your children the tools to be prepared if something happens, you know, if they end mm-hmm. up having and if, uh, Yeah. And I want it not to be sanitized because I think that that's, that's where it's wrong. It makes <laughs> people feel it, like it, they have to hide themselves. It, Exactly. I mean, my son is has ADHD, and um, on the spectrum as well, and he is the most brilliant boy I know. And we have him in OT. We have him in therapy. We have him in family therapy. We have him, you know, working his way up because he is that kid. And we had to move him to a whole new school wow. because we didn't like the way they were t- they were um, teaching him. He, he 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 can't sit still. That's not how he's going right. to learn. And it's not him who has the problem, it's the teacher. You're not teaching him in different ways, you know, so. That's another thing about schooling. It's like, I failed out of high school, basically. I mean, I graduated, but I did not, barely. Um, Because I would get bored, because I learned differently. I have ADHD as well. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's, especially back in the 80s, it was not, it was only common in white boys, you know, Everybody else was just on their own. And uh, so... You were probably seen as loud and angry or whatever. Well, I was more the class clown. I just joked with everybody. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in the hallway or at the principal's office. I I just liked to talk. I would talk all the time because I'd be so bored. Or I'd be staring Mm -hmm. out the window daydreaming. So, uh, Mm -hmm. and and I know a lot of shit, but it's like... Sometimes I don't have the context because I wasn't paying attention in class, you know? Like, I picked up the facts but not the context. Mm -hmm. So I know that, like, uh, having a learning disability can, you know, does make it more difficult to navigate the world, especially the academic world. Yeah. I mean, my son is nine, and he knows he has ADHD, and he has the vocabulary to express what he means because he's had the, the therapy tools, he's had OT, and all um, the placements. So he, he has the vocabulary and he's in a family that's very open right. about it. Like, right. hey, we're noticing that you're feeling this way. You know, can you be flexible and walk away from this? Because I know you're feeling the need to finish this, but let's, how about we be flexible and walk away? And like, those are, that is called early intervention. Right. Like, he, he's getting the tools. I'm not worried about him. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. What I worry about is the world not being flexible outside of their own box of how they think people should be or learn or try, you know what I mean? Like, well, as um, a, uh, 
I'm kind of, I'm sorry, I'm going off topic of my mom, but (laughs) all about it. You know, I, uh, I didn't know about your son. So I'm interested in hearing that story. I did. I also didn't know about, um, his, you know, biological background. So, um, it's very interesting to hear about that and, and, and the way that you are teaching him as well as his sister, because I'm sure, she, you know, it, it, mental health and it affects everybody in the family. So oh, absolutely. giving him the tools that he needs and the language that he needs is something that a lot of kids don't have. I never had it. I didn't even mm-hmm. know I was ADHD mm-hmm. until I went to college. And I was an adult when I went to college, you know, but it was like, uh, it's... Uh, it's hard to manage sometimes, but you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, to circle back to how I was saying everybody relates to it differently from their perspective in my family with my, my sister being four years older and I having a disability. Like, I see myself a lot hovering over my son and, saying, and protecting him and all that. And then also I have to make sure I make room for my daughter, who is like my sister, super brilliant, easy, like, can read a book in uh, two days and so smart and also very empathetic and will adjust her whole life for, to make everybody else comfortable, uh, you know, and, and I have to, I, and it's just interesting, I take my own experiences from my family growing up and, and I see myself as an adult saying, okay, how can I make it a little different and be more aware that my daughter doesn't get lost? Right and doesn't get seen, but also gets rewarded and praises just as much as I'm praising and rewarding my right. son. You know, like, it, it's interesting. I'm sure it's a, it's a balancing because, act. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm grateful for my mom. I'm grateful for the life that she provided for me. I had a very privileged, comfortable life. I was never hungry or needed anything. Um, and she loved me with all her being and might, you know, and I never doubted that. And that to me is, um, I'm grateful for that. Well, very good, Marlene. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so proud of you. You, I watched you grow up and I'm just like, God damn, who is this girl? You know? I remember, I remember seeing you walk down a hallway. I was in my room. We were going down. My youngest memory of you, Meredith, is walking down our hallway and you had short hair and like boots and um, like you were to a rocker chick in some way, you know, like you were a punk rock. And, and I thought, oh, she's you know. <laughs> but I've always loved you. Yeah, and, I know. Um, I used to, I remember going to your room it. and you were teaching me how to play drums and you were like, you're the only person yeah. who, who holds the drumstick right. I was like, well, my dad's a drummer. So, <laughs> I didn't get that part. <laughs> All right, Martin. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, I, I look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, bye, Thanks man. for joining. Again, I'd like to thank Marlene for sharing her family story with us. As she points out, we must maintain open lines of communication so that family members and other around you can be supportive and we can help to destigmatize bipolar disorder. For more information about bipolar disorders, please visit the American Psychiatric Association at psychiatry.org. 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe.